Praise God. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Look who you got. Huh? <laughs> you did something wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Happy that you're here this morning. Um, I always say, forgive me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give the other pastors uh, or ministers a chance. Uh, you know what I mean? If you don't like me, I understand. Uh, I had that effect on some people. But uh, I'm excited about this morning. You know, the Bible says that he dwells in the praises of his people. Amen. God dwells in the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. So guess what? We were just and am in right now currently the presence of the Lord. How many believe that? Say amen. Now remember, I'm the talking preacher, so you got you to gotta talk back to me, okay? I need to, I need to hear that feedback, okay? But this morning, I'm excited. You know, the Bible says we're two more gathered in his name. There he'd be in the midst also. When they were in the upper room, they said, the Bible says that they were in one mind and one accord. And look what happened there. <laughs> so I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit of God is going to be doing today in us. Amen. I don't know about you, but I came to church for change. Amen. Not for change, the jiggly change in your pocket. Although if you want to throw it, we do have some baskets up here uh, that you can throw it to. Uh, I came this morning for change in my heart. Amen. I, I, I hope that you would say the same thing. I don't know that anybody goes to church saying, you know, I, I want to be the same as, as, as I walked in this church. I want to walk out the same person that I was when I walked in. I, I, don't know, I don't know if anybody that would say that. But if that's you, I'm sorry you're wasting your time. But to all the rest of you, I can say that I'm excited for you because I know God is going to do something awesome in your heart tonight if you allow him to do it. How many know that we have our own free will? And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't go beyond that free will. And if we say, God, that door's locked. I'm not going to let you in that door. Guess what? He won't go in that door. But this morning, I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to encourage you. The whole way through this sermon, I'm going to challenge you to allow the Holy Spirit into those parts of your lives that maybe you do have under lock and key. Because I believe that this morning God wants to do something amazing in your life. If you believe that, say amen. If you came to church to be changed, say amen. amen. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. Because just like Pastor George said a couple weeks ago, this is going to be a different service. This is going to be one of those interactive services. And everybody says, uh-oh. <laughs> it's one of those interactive services. The beauty about it is interaction between you and God. That's a good thing, right? Nothing to be scared of. Nothing to be concerned about. We just need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's go forward to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you. And Father, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. God, I thank you for everything that you desire to do in our lives, God. And I pray that we would step out of the way, Lord. That we would step out of the way, God, and allow you to do those things that you designed for us to do. Father, those things that you purposed for us to do, Lord God. Forgive us for wavering. Forgive us for doubt. Forgive us for hopelessness, Lord God. Forgive us for giving up, God. Lord, this morning, God, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak that hope back into us. That your Holy Spirit would breathe 
into us again, Father, and revive your people in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask this in your holy, holy name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. This morning, um, I want to read from you, uh, with you from the book of Ezekiel. Okay, so we're going back in the Old Testament. If you do not have a Bible, we have some here. Uh, it is our desire that you have one for yourself. If you, uh, you know, maybe you have one at home and you just want to borrow one, you're welcome to. You know, I've got about 15 of these, like I say, at home. Because uh, George, I, he says I can have one every time, so I go ahead and take it home. Um, but uh, go ahead. If you do not have one, go ahead and take it home. That's okay. Uh, we've got more, okay? Feel free to take it home. We want you to have the Word of God. We want you to understand as well that this is our standard. This is our standard for living. This is, this is it right here. We believe that this is the standard for life as we know it. Amen? That's the word of God. And so we don't add, we don't take away, but we preach from this book of the law, okay? And so I'm excited about it. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Ezekiel 37 and chapter 1. Ezekiel 37 and chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and give you a background of who Ezekiel is. And some of you may not have heard uh, or have never uh, heard about who Ezekiel is. The name Ezekiel actually means God strengthens. And if you've ever read the book of Ezekiel, you understand why. Ezekiel was in uh, captivity. He was in Babylon. He was captive to that nation. And so he was a prophet that God called out of his people to minister to his people into that time. Okay, well, what's a prophet? Let me break it down for you. A prophet was an individual who received a call from God to be God's spokesperson. He was God's spokesman. He was God's lips, man. Whatever that prophet said to say, that prophet said. And he usually was talking to his own people, but sometimes he talked to other nations as well. The importance of the office can be seen in the fact that the word prophet occurs over 300 times in the Old Testament. 300 times. And it shows up 125 times in the New Testament. Is prophecy important? Yes, it is. Why is prophecy important? Because it's God speaking to us. Amen. Who needs God to speak with to them? Anybody? Anybody here need God to speak to them? I surely do. Ezekiel was one of three prophets who was also a priest. Jeremiah and Zechariah were the other two in that day. He was taken from Jerusalem to Babylon in the second deportation, 597 B.C. At the age of 30 is when he started his priesthood, which was typical for the time. He's received his prophetic call from the Lord at 30 and spent the rest of his life in Babylon. He ministered 22 years overall. If you're there at Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, say amen. I'm sorry, you're going to have to say a lot? Okay, I right, appreciate that. Let's read. It's up here as well. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He held me back. He, he led me, excuse me, back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared to them, or excuse me, on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. We're gonna try to dissect that real quick. I want you to understand uh, that the enemy has come for three reasons. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen? Now, some of you this morning might be going through some of that right now in your life. And I'm excited that you're here. (laughs) Because I think if we're honest with each other, each and every one of us can raise our hands if I were to ask you the question, are you going through something today? Mike, is there something in your life that you're going through today? I think if I asked each and every one of you, you, you would nod your head if you're being real. And I hope you came this morning to be real. The tools of the enemy are as followed, not limited to this this little list. Hatred, jealousy, deceit, lying, depression, and pride. But one of the, the biggest tools of the enemy that he uses on Christian folk today is discouragement. Has there ever been, is is there anyone here this morning that has ever been discouraged in your life? If you have, say amen. Let me, let me just say something to you. Listen, unless you're, you're a super Christian, which I'm not, I don't know of the, of one other than Jesus. Amen. We go through trials and tribulations. Jesus said it himself. You will go through various trials and tribulations. Did he not? He said that. And so each and every one of us, again, if we're real with each other this morning, we're not super Christian. I don't have a Superman shirt underneath this, uh, this shirt here. Uh, I couldn't fit it under there. You know what I'm saying? Huh, that's not funny. <laughs> Satan is never happier than when he sees people giving in and giving up to despair and becoming lost in hopelessness. If I didn't mention before the title of this sermon this morning is hope for the hopeless have you ever felt like the world is caving in around you and that there is absolutely no hope have you ever felt that your troubles seem like they keep on mounting they keep on getting bigger and unfortunately your faith keeps on getting smaller and you can't see a glimpse of what God is doing. If that's you this morning, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. 
because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you this morning. And he's going to speak a word into you this morning that you and you alone needed to hear. Amen? Amen. Number one on your handout. There are situations which appear to be totally and absolutely hopeless. Let me say that again. There are situations in life which appear to be totally and absolutely hopeless. I'm going to give you a second to write that down. I want you to have this. I want you to get this. Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 and 2 says this. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. I want you to understand that prophets back in the day, they would speak into uh, the children of Israel's lives. And most of the time they would talk about things that were to come and, and, and ways to get out of the situation that, were, that they were in. And it, this is exactly the picture, like I said, Ezekiel was in that captivity at the time in Babylon. And, 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 and so the picture of this was that it was a na- the nation of Israel in captivity in Eastern, uh, Eastern captivity, excuse me, in diaspora, Greek word, diaspora, excuse me, which means scattering or dispersion. It's a scattering of the population with a common origin in a smaller geographic area. More specific, Jewish diaspora began in 587 BC when the kingdom of Judea was conquered by by the Babylonians. They destroyed the temples uh, in Jerusalem and exiled a large part of the Jewish population to Babylonia, which is now southern Iraq. The nation was virtually dead. It was lifeless. It was scattered and bleached, just like that conquering army's corpse. So you can see as, as God is bringing Ezekiel over these dry bones, it was a metaphor for what the children of Israel were going through at that time. There was no way humanly possible that they would ever rise from the defeat that they just went through. It would be impossible. Job chapter 7, verse 6 and 7 says this, and I'm reading out of the NIV. I'm just throwing it out there. And if you don't know who Job is, you really do need to recognize who Job is because he was an amazing man of God. Grab your Bible, read the book of Job. You won't be disappointed that you did. Job said this, as he went through the things that he went through, he lost every one of his children. He lost his livestock, his livelihood. He lost everything. And during that time, he said this, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and they come to an end without hope. Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. Have you ever been through a situation, man, where the breath of life is sucked out of you? Have you ever been through anything that, man, you just lose hope completely like Job just said he did? I think if we're real with one another, each and every one of us, again, would raise our hand and say, yeah, that's me. 
I've been there, done that. There is no greater state of hopelessness than of a man without Christ. Jean-Paul Sartre, a French philosopher, wrote this. Man can count on no one but himself. He is alone, abandoned on earth in the midst of his infinite responsibilities. Without help, with no other aim than the one he sets himself. With no other destiny than the one he forges for himself on this earth. How sad. (laughs) A life without hope. That's what I just described there. If I had to deal with myself, if I had to count on myself to do everything, man, mm, I'd be lost. H. Linzel said this. He was an evangelical Christian author and scholar. He wrote this. Those apart from God have a feeling of meaningless and abandonment that they cannot explain. You guys may have heard it like this. We all have a God-shaped hole right here. And we try to fill it with this, that, and the other, and it never works because it was never intended to work that way. It was always intended for God. Listen, I'm just going to tell you this morning, I'm going to go through a lot of scripture. Some is on your, your, your leaflet there. Some is not, okay? So when I call it out, go ahead and write it down so you can go, go back through it. There's a lot of great scripture. Remember, it's not coming from me. This is the word of the Lord. Ephesians 2.12 says this, Remember that, that at that time you were separate, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without, without hope and without God in the world. At one time we were sinners, is that right? Until that point that we asked Christ into our hearts and the Holy Spirit to live with inside of us. Before that, we had no hope. We had no dreams. We had nothing. But after that, God gives us hope. Amen. Number two, God alone holds the answers or the answer to hopeless situations. God alone holds the answer to hopeless situations. Ezekiel 37.3 says this, He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Let me stop right there, okay? Because I, I just, I, I just want to get real with you one second. Because, uh, you know, I, I want you to understand what's going here and, and the magnitude of the situation, okay? So God just takes this man, Ezekiel, this prophet that he has chosen, and he takes him over this valley, valley of, of bones, Okay, I was just in, um, where was I just at? Gettysburg, thank you. Uh, they remembered from this morning service. They didn't read my mind, nothing. Uh, I, was, I was just at Gettysburg. I, had a, 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 I was at the National Fire Academy and, and uh, had a course and whatnot, but I, I moseyed down over there to check that out because I heard it was pretty cool. So I checked it out. My wife and I took a two-hour trip, uh, or excuse me, ride uh, with, the, with the guide, and he showed us all the battlefields. Has anybody been there? Checked that out? Seen that? That was amazing stuff, is it? Yeah, it's amazing. So, you know, it was tangible for me on that, those battlefields to just kind of look out there and see what was going on. And the guide would give us fact after fact of what, what happened in that particular battlefield. And, and in one place... 
Uh, he said the South had 200 cannons. And, and the North had 150 cannons. And for two solid hours, they went back and forth shooting at each other for, an, uh, for two solid hours. And the guy said, you know, during that time, most if not all the men on the battlefield were bleeding from the ears. What's that mean? Their eardrums burst. <laughs> this was a hard and long battle, y'all. And so I want you to think about some of these battlefields that we have even in the United States. And, and, and I want you to imagine for yourself, put yourself in Ezekiel's shoes for a second and go to one of those battlefields. Let's just say that the Spirit of the Lord has taken us to one of those battlefields and all we see are bones scattered. He takes us right back there. All we see is bones scattered. Now, I'm going to ask you, I'm not asking super Christian here. I'm asking you and me, hey, now, if you were told to say, talk to those bones and let them live, make them live, could, what would you think at that time? You're, you're, this is the craziest thing. Come on. If we're real with one another, isn't that right? You want me to do what? You want them to do what? In our, our, our finite minds, is that happening? No. If we're real with one another, man, that ain't happening. That's not going to happen. These guys are dead. They're gone. Put a fork in them. They're done. It's over. It's over for them. Our understanding is, is when we're dead, we're dead. It's done. It's over. It's, it's it. From man's perspective, only the, the only answer, only one answer could come from the prophet's lips. It's impossible, man. <laughs> this can't happen. It's absurd to suppose that these dead bones could ever live again. But you've got to understand something. This wasn't Jay Ortiz saying, hey man, talk to those bones and make sure they live, huh? This was God most high. This was the king of kings and the Lord of lords that was speaking right here. And he said, talk to those bones, man, and tell them to live. So Ezekiel did like any good Christian would do. And he said, God, when God asked him, do you think this can happen? And he said, you know, God, because I surely, I don't. You do. Was that the right answer? Yeah, that was the right answer. That was the exact answer. Matthew 19, 25 and 26 says this. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. When it's us robed in flesh, in our own mind, in our own thinking, there's nothing that we can do. I can't raise people from the dead. Can you? No, you cannot. But with God, all things are possible. Here's the problem. We want to put God in a box. We want to be like Ezekiel and say, mm, you know God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that can happen. I'm not sure about that. It's like the woman that Jesus prayed for. He said, do you believe that I can heal you? He said, yes, but forgive me for my unbelief. <laughs> we say those things because that's, we're, if we're being real with ourselves, that's tough. To think about. It's tough for us 
to wrap our minds around those things. How many know that God delights in doing the impossible? There's no one in this world, in this room, that, that, that loves an underdog more so than our God. Look at all the characters in the word of God, man. Every one of them were underdogs. Every one of them didn't deserve what they did. But because of who God was in them, they did some great things. Charles L. Allen, who was a popular Methodist pastor, said this, when you say a situation or a person is hopeless, you are slamming the door in the face of God. Let me read that again. When you say a situation or a person is hopeless, you are slamming the door in the face of God. We are very good at putting God in a box, saying, Lord, you can, there ain't nothing you can do about this situation, man. It is done. Just like those dry bones, it's over. It's finished. There's nothing that can be done about it. But sometimes we don't, we don't recognize, we forget who we're talking to. Amen? We forget who is on our side. We forget that greater is he that lives within me than he that lives in the world. Amen. We forget. This is also in your hand out there. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. Some of you might be sitting here this morning. Maybe God gave you a word back in the day about your son or daughter being saved or, you know, about, uh, about something that you were supposed to do for him, for his kingdom, and maybe you've, you've brushed it under the rug because it hasn't come to pass. Maybe you're in a circumstance right now that you've grown hopeless about. You've been fighting for so long that you just feel it's time to give up. You don't have anything left in you to fight about. I'm excited for you this morning. Psalms 42.11 says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed with me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The Bible says when we put on the garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness falls from us. Sometimes we just need to praise him to get a breakthrough in our lives. Amen. This also is in your handout. No one is hopeless whose hope is in God. This morning, church, I ask you, where's your hope? Is your hope in God? Or is your hope in man, in yourself, in your circumstance? Number three, God's word gives new direction. Write that down. God's word gives new direction. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 4 through 8 says this. 
Then it said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Again, it would appear so much so. It would appear so absurd to address dry bones, to talk to these dumb bones that are laying on the ground. You want me to do what? But see, in reality, what was going on is God was showing Ezekiel a picture of what his people were going through. And he was showing him a picture that, man, I'm telling you that I can still speak life into my people. I can still speak life into their situation if they will only hear my word. Here he is standing on the battlefield, preaching to corpses. How many know God's ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts? Amen. The prophet speaks at the divine command of God and gives the divine message. He speaks for God and they who listen to the voice of God are delivered. God's word goes forth and things begin to happen. He not only spoke though, he looked. In verse 8, it says, I looked. How many know sometimes we just need to take our head from out of the clouds, from out from under that hole that we dig ourselves into, and we need to look up. And we need to realize that God wants to do something in our lives. He desires that. But if we look and see and we speak life into it, we prophesy to the situation, speak the word of God life into the situation, that God will speak life into us. And he'll speak life into those circumstances. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we don't know what's going on in here. And we need to get connected with the word of God. The Bible says it judges those thoughts and intents that are right here. Our mind might be thinking one way, but the important thing is, what does this word say? And I need to connect with that. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word was God. How do we get to know God? Right here, his word. Our standard. Romans ten seventeen it says, consequently, Faith comes from the hearing the message. From hearing the message, and the message is heard 
through the word of God. Other translations say faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The Bible says each one of us is given a measure of faith. But you know, when we can pray, we can ask the Lord to increase that measure of faith. Amen? How many of you know that the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God? We have to believe that there is a God, right? First of all. But it's impossible to please Him without faith. The Bible also says faith without works is dead. If we don't exercise our faith, might as well not have it. Romans 15, 4 says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Another thing that we get out of this is hope. So I would ask you, how often are you getting into this word? Rhetorical. Don't want you to raise your hand. When you're ready to come to church on Sunday, are you having to dust that baby off? Or is that, that, that thing wide open? You have to tape, tape it because you've been in it so much. It's falling apart. Which one are you? We're, we're really quick, church, to go to God and say, you know what, man, nothing's going right in my life. I'm so discouraged. You know, this is happening, that's happening. This person is, is against me. My job is, is failing. I've been left, let, uh, let go from work, I, this, that, and the other. We're so quick to come to God for discouragement and, and, and just, just, just beat on his door saying, where are you? I can't see you in this place. But how often do we go to him just to love on him a little bit and just to read and see what he's trying to say to us? Because I promise you, if you listen, he's trying to talk with you. One way he talks through, to you is this word. Are you in his word? Every conflict that Christ had with Satan, Jesus overcame the obstacle by using the word of God. Each and every recorded case, he went against the enemy. He proclaimed, it is written. It is written, Satan. It is written. It is written. Now, who's our greatest example? Christ. Should we be doing what he did? Yes. Yes. Psalms 119 verse 105 says this. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many know before we gave our lives to the Lord, man, we were fumbling around in darkness? until we saw that light. This is on your pamphlet here. The word of God is a window to those in the prison of hopelessness through which they can look and see the light of hope and get direction for their lives. Again, the word of God is a window to those in the prison of hopelessness through which they can look and see the light of hope and direction for their lives. We need God's word. Isaiah 55, 11 says this. 
So is my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I, what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Number four is this. God's spirit gives new life. God's spirit gives new life. Ezekiel 37, 9 and 10 says this. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain and that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. The things that we can't comprehend, the things that we can't wrap our minds around in our circumstances and situations, God just says, speak to them the word of God. Speak it into them. Speak life. How many know the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. We can speak life into the situation or we can choose to speak death into the situation. What are you speaking into your situation this morning, church? What are you telling it? Well, Jay, that would be absurd for me to speak to the situation. Listen, it was absurd for Ezekiel to speak to a, a bunch of bones that were dry on the floor and lifeless. Was it not? But when God says speak to it, guess what? We need to speak to it. And we need to trust that that is going to speak life back into that situation. A.W. Tozer, an American evangelical pastor, speaker, writer, editor. He wrote Born After Midnight. He said this. Religious instruction, however sound, is not enough by itself. It brings light, but it cannot impart sight. The assumption that the light and sight are synonymous has brought spiritual tragedy to millions. The Pharisees looked straight at the light of the word for three years, but not one ray of light reached their inner beings. Light is not enough. The inward operation of the Holy Spirit is necessary to saving faith. The gospel is the light, but only the Holy Spirit can give sight. Only the Holy Spirit can give sight. Romans 8.10 says this, the spirit is life. The spirit is life. God's spirit is life. Listen, if you've, if you've asked the Lord into your life, if you've, you've, you've asked for, for forgiveness of sins and you've, you've uh, asked the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, let me tell you something. You've got that life inside of you. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of this very fact that the life of God, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, lives with inside of us. That same life that was given back to Christ as he rose from the grave is in you. And it's there exactly for that situation and that circumstance that you're going through this morning. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 is this. Now the Lord is the spirit. 
And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let me tell you something. Some of you need to be set free this morning. Some of you need that freedom in your life this morning from that situation, from that circumstance, from that mindset, whatever it may be that's hindering you from doing the will of God. The Spirit's control, the Spirit's control will replace sin's control. His power is greater than the power of all your sin, past, present, and future. The big idea for you this morning is this. If you have the Holy Spirit on the inside, you can stand any kind of battle on the outside. If you have the Holy Spirit on the inside, you can stand any kind of battle on the outside. First John 4, 4 says this, you dear children, you are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You may have heard it like this, uh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Last scripture, John 14, 16 through 18 says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Stand to your feet if you would, please. I don't know what it is that you're going through this morning. I don't know what exactly that circumstance, that situation is this morning. I don't know what that mindset is that's, put, that's shackled you in chains. But that's exactly what the enemy wants to do with it. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's here for. Jesus said this, I've come though that you might have life and have it more abundant. Does anybody want to live a more abundant life here this morning? Has anybody come here this morning to live a more abundant life and learn how to do so? Anybody? Would there be anybody that would say amen? This is where the interaction comes in, folks. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to be real with yourself. And I'm going to ask you to be real with God this morning. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to bring that circumstance, that situation. It's not if we have it. It's what is it. Is that right? When we will go through various trials and tribulations in this life, and that's okay. We've just got, got to be big enough to say, you know, okay, this does exist. This elephant in the room does exist, and you know what? It's about time to get it out of my life. And this morning, I believe that you came here so the Holy Spirit of God can do just that, can set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Some of you need freedom this morning. Some of you have been battling a long time with this and you need freedom this morning. 
Well, I'm telling you that the Spirit of the Lord is here and He's here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to set you free this morning. If you believe that, say amen. Now, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm just, again, going to ask you one time to be real. And by a show of hands, I'm just going to ask, is there anybody here that would say, Jay, I I do have something that I need the Lord to handle because it's bigger than me. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being real. The second thing I'm going to ask, because I'm not going to stop there, is I'm going to ask you to come to the front. Ooh, scary, I just said it. The Bible says we're to agree. It'll be done for them by, by their Father in heaven, Matthew 18. We're to agree. Listen, we want to agree with you this morning. We want it gone. Do you? One of my favorite sayings in Bible college was proof of desire is in the pursuit. How bad you want something is how bad you're going to go after it. How bad do you want to be set free this morning? I know it's uncomfortable, church. Some of you aren't used to that. You listen, everyone that, that has heard me speak uh, about my son who passed away, died in my wife's in his arms, it was very difficult for me for the first time to be able to share that. I had to overcome that. Because that message ministers to people. It's ministered to hundreds of people. But I couldn't get to those hundreds of people until I take the step of faith and said, God, okay, man, I'm not comfortable with that. But Lord, I'm going to take a step of faith knowing that you're going to do what you need to do in me and in these folks. And God's done it every time. He's faithful. Church, he's faithful. So I want to encourage you to step forward. If you raise your hand, please, right now, step forward. Right now, step step forward. Don't be scared. Listen, I'm your brother. These are your brothers and sisters. Step forward. God wants to do something amazing. Press forward, if you will. Get on this yellow mat so others are still coming. That's what I thought. God showed me this. God showed me this. God showed me this. And this isn't nothing to do with Jay Ortiz. It's nothing to do with anybody else. The Spirit of the Lord is in here today. today. Amen? And He wants to set you free. Where's my team at? Can I have some, some of my prayer team come up? Listen. Now, I did this. I, I ministered this in Chicago. We prayed for two hours. That's not my goal here. <laughs> but we'll take as long as we need. We're still going to do communion. So if you're still out here, give us a minute. We're still going to do communion. But we want to pray with you folks. And that means we want to lay hands on you. We want to lay hands on you and agree with you. Is that okay? I'm going to get close with you. This team's going to get close with you. Ladies are going to pray with ladies. Men are going to pray with men. And we're just going to pray. Is that okay? Now, first of all, you need to tell us what's going on. Because we need to agree on it. So I've got to know. They've got to know. So that's the first thing. Tell us what you're going through. What the situation is. Please, I mean, keep it as short as possible. But we want to agree with you. Number two. Again, I'm just going to ask right away, right up front. Is it okay 
if we touch your shoulder, we touch your arm. I'm not going to manhand you like it was my brother here. It's a fellow brother here. Love this guy. But we're just going to put our hands on you and we're going to pray. Is that okay? Okay. We're going to just right up front. All right? If there's anybody watching, anybody over in the seats, that's great. I just ask not to spectate. Pray for these folks, please, while we're praying as well. Agree with us. Amen? All right. Team, let's do some praying. Okay? Go get them.